How's it going, everybody, and welcome to Just Nobody's Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today we are doing a little bit different of a show. Guys, I want to say thank you so much for an amazing year. We wanted to go through and talk about some of our most amazing, craziest, creepiest theories and stories that we found, and I hope you guys enjoy this video. Also, if you want to support the channel, throughout this video, we actually have some of our first ad reads to help support the channel, help fund the channel. So if you guys can take the time to watch the ads and also use our promo codes, it helps us a lot. Guys, like I said, this is our first time ever doing an ad read. So for everyone that's been loyal to the channel, we really appreciate you guys and thank you for sticking with us. And all the products that we talk about today are actually things we use. Like we use this on a daily basis. So make sure you guys keep that in mind. We're never gonna sell or promote anything that we don't personally use. And that's one of our morals and things that we really wanna stand for. So make sure you understand that that's our goal whenever we talk about an ad. So let's get into this podcast and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. So do you know the creepy story about the mom who would wear a mask? No. So the story starts off with a pair of twin boys and one is named Ellis and one is named Lucas. And basically their parents just got a divorce and the family's now broken up. And the father actually won custody of the boys and they haven't seen their mom in like years for like a very long time. So after a couple years go by, the mom reaches out to the dad and says like, hey, I wanna see my kids again. Like, can you bring them to my house? So the dad drives the two boys to the mom's farmhouse. But the dad knows that the mom doesn't want anything to do with the dad and he just says, okay, boys, you just go in the house. I'm just going to leave. Your mom doesn't want to see me. That's really sad. Yeah. So the twin boys walk into the house and they're looking for their mom and they can't find her. And then they look outside and they notice that the barn is all locked up and boarded up and they still can't find their mom. So they go up to her room and notice that her room is super dark. All the blinds are shut and she, they can't find her. And in her room, they find a plate full of like chicken wings and like flies are flying on it. What the heck? Yeah. So their mom finally walks out and she's wearing this bandage on her face because she tells them I recently had a procedure on my face and it's healing. So her sons are like really kind of freaked out by this whole bandage thing on the face. Okay, that just sounds really freaky. Yeah, because the kids are like really weirded out by this because no one told them that their mom had this procedure. Like their dad had no idea. So the mom tells her sons like, guys, you cannot tell anybody that I have had this procedure done. So later that day, the twins go to their room and they're trying to like theorize like what's going on with the mom and what she looks like underneath the bandages. So Lucas tells Ellis that she probably has like a bunch of scars underneath her bandages. And Ellis is like, that's disgusting. Like, why would you say that? If the bandage is covering her face, she's got to be pretty messed up. Yeah, so the mom walks into the room and just walks up to Ellis totally ignores Lucas, hands Ellis a toy and tells him like, I'm sorry for being so distant and I hope that we could become closer. So the mom starts telling the two boys the rules of the house. She says that there's no running or yelling and that there's no playdates. No one can come over to the house. And she tells him that no one's allowed to be in the barn and that all the blinds in the house must always be shut because sunlight can damage her face and she can't be exposed to the sun. Dude, those are some weird rules. Yeah, so she also tells them that no one's allowed in her room and they cannot go in there. So then all of a sudden Ellis hands his mom a drawing that he drew for her and he gives her a hug but while he's giving her a hug you can tell that the mom is like hiding the fact that she's really mad at him so throughout the day the kids hang out and they hang out with their mom and they have dinner but when it was time to go to bed they realize that the mom no longer sings them a lullaby and Alice asked the mom like why don't you sing us a lullaby like you used to and the mom tells him like I'm just not in the mood to do that come on just do it for the kids yeah so then Ellis and Lucas start like talking to each other and they're like something's up with our mom like this is wrong this is really weird so Lucas just starts singing the lullaby to help Ellis go to sleep and then Ellis and Lucas are singing together. But outside the door, the mom was sitting outside listening to them sing and this really upset her hearing them sing. What is wrong with her? So the next day, the twins decide like, let's go sneak into the barn. So they get into the barn where they're not supposed to be and they notice all their old toys are still there. But then all of a sudden, Ellis looks up 
and he sees this hole in the barn with a bunch of red around it. And this makes him really nervous. And he's like, what the heck? So he runs out of the barn. What do you mean by red hole? So all of a sudden, when they get out of the barn, the mom says like, what are you guys doing? How dare you break the rule? Like, don't you ever do that again? So Ella starts thinking about it and he realizes that the red in the barn looks like blood. But then his brother Lucas told him like, nah, it was probably just pain. Okay, it is never just pain. So later that night when Ellis was sleeping, all of a sudden he wakes up because he hears a gunshot from the barn. So he gets out of bed and he starts like walking downstairs and he sees his mom on the phone and the mom seems like really angry and like really annoyed and he hears her say I'm so sick of how Ellis and Lucas are so close together and she also says how she can't handle this and she doesn't know how much longer she can do this it is not looking good for them yeah so Ellis gets really scared and he's like what the heck is going on so he runs to his room and he like gets under his covers but in the process of doing that his mom heard him so the mom starts walking up the stairs to go to his room and tries to check on him so Ellis tries to stay really still and try to pretend like he's sleeping and the mom's just like grabbing him and she's like okay go to sleep so the next say Ellis tells Lucas what he heard the mom say the night before and how she doesn't want them being close together and that she's really annoyed and then all of a sudden the mom's phone rings so she grabs her phone and like walks up the stairs so that they can't hear her talk so they decide to get walkie talkies and while the mom was like resting downstairs on the couch they went to go into her room to try to plant the walkie talkies to always hear her this is about the time where it all starts going wrong yeah so when Ellis goes into the mom's room he realizes that there's like a lot of things off with her room like he finds medication that she's taking and then he notices like a bunch of photos in her room are missing and then he finds a photo of him and his brother like face down as if she was trying to hide it from herself but then all of a sudden the mom decides to go to her room so Ellis and Lucas have to try to hide here we go so Ellis is watching his mom as he's hiding but as he's backing up he accidentally bumps into a trash can and he sees the drawing that he made for his mom in the trash all wrinkled up okay that's messed up yeah so the mom walks up to the mirror because she has to change the bandages on her face but since Ellis is underneath the sink he cannot see the mom's face so she's like changing the bandages and then she starts walking out of her room but as she's walking out of the room she notices the drawing on the ground so she picks up the drawing rips it up and drops it in the trash can i still don't understand what's wrong with his mom yeah so ellis grabs the ripped drawing out of the trash can takes it to his brother lucas and like they look at this and they're like what is up with our mom who would do such a thing like that is so weird she literally seems crazy yeah so lucas tells ellis that that is not their mom and that is an imposter and that this lady is trying to pretend to be their mom but it's not actually their mom but ellis is like dude no way lucas there's no way that's happening so lucas tries to sneak a picture of the imposter and they compare it to like an old photo of their mom and they realize that their old photo of their mom had blue eyes and this imposter doesn't have blue eyes wait what so now both of the kids are really convinced that that's not their mom so they get out their phone and try to call their dad but they can't get a hold of their dad but they lock themselves in the room and the mom realizes that they're in the room and the door's locked so she starts getting really upset and she's like come on guys like forgive me i'm so sorry i've been so distant but i really want to hang out with you guys and she's like let me in i made you guys chicken fingers like it's fresh for you but lucas tells ellis that there is no way we're going outside that is not our mom so the day goes by and it's nighttime now and ellis is watching an old video of his mom singing the lullaby to him but in the process all of a sudden the mom breaks down the door and pushes through and the mom gets super mad at them for calling their dad and takes their phone destroys it and says don't you ever call your dad again okay i would be freaking out if i were these kids yeah so the boys get so scared so they run into their room they put their dresser against the door like to have like a barricade and like time goes by and they realize that they don't hear anything on the walkie-talkie so Ellis is like I'm gonna go see what mom's doing because I can't hear anything so Ellis walks outside to try to find his mom and then he sees his mom resting with a mask on so Ellis wants to try to remove the mask so he reaches out tries to remove it and all of a sudden the mom grabs his hand and starts shaking him oh Ellis is done so Ellis gets away from the mom runs into his bedroom closes the door puts the dresser against the door but the mom gets a crowbar starts breaking down the door busts in and she says hey you better start respecting me and stop being so rude so Ellis tells the mom you are not 
not my mom. You're an imposter. And then the mom gets really upset at Ellis. And then Ellis is like, dude, I am not having this. Like, screw you. You're not my mom. So the mom grabs Ellis and takes him to the bathroom and starts putting water on him and says, like, you better admit that I am your mom because I am your mom. And Ellis finally just says, okay, screw it. I, you're my mom, even though he doesn't believe it. Okay, what's pouring water on the kid going to do? So the kids just run away and they find a police officer and say, like, my mom is not my mom. It's an imposter. Some lady's trying to be my mom. So the police are like, okay, calm down. And they don't believe the kids. So they just drive the kids back to the mom's house. And on the way back to the mom's house, the mom comes out of the house without the mask on. And her face looks totally normal. And she tells the police, like, Ellis is lying. He's just, like, in, like, a fantasy. It's all lies. So the police believe the mom. And they just leave. So the boys go up to their bedroom. And they, like, try to pretend like they're fake sleeping again. And then the mom walks into the bedroom and says, like, I know you guys are fake sleeping. And I'm not leaving until you start to like me. So the cops just left these kids with this mom. Yeah. So later that night, after the kids fall asleep, the mom goes to her room. And she just starts crying her eyes out. And she's, like, just so stressed out. So the next morning comes and the mom wakes up and she's duct tied to her bed and the twins are in the room and they say like why are you trying to pretend to be our mom like why are you an imposter and the lady tells them I am your mom and the photo of me when I was younger I used to wear blue contacts in my eyes and she tells the boys look go in my purse I still have the colored contacts in there so Ellis tells Lucas go look in the purse and see if they're there so Lucas goes to go look and he says Ellis they're not here so Ellis gets a bucket of cold water and dumps it on the mom and says how dare you why would you ever throw away your kids drawings like how what kind of sick person would do that and the mom just starts crying and Ellis is kind of like taken back like huh maybe it is my mom she's crying I don't know who to believe well Lucas tells Ellis like let's leave it's time to leave so they all start running outside but Ellis has like a second thought and he's like I want to see the lady one last time so he lies to Lucas and says I forgot my toothbrush Lucas you wait for the car I'm gonna run back inside and then when Ellis gets back into the house he wants to go see the lady's purse just to check if the contacts were there and he reaches in and he realized the colored contacts were there and that she wasn't lying so then all of a sudden Lucas appears from behind him and tells him Ellis please believe me I'm not lying to you and Ellis gets really freaked out by Lucas and starts trying to run away and Lucas starts trying to chase him why would Lucas lie to Ellis so Ellis gets to his mom and unties her and like they just start hugging each other and they're apologizing and Lucas is no longer chasing him so the mom forgives Ellis and is like it's okay I can totally understand and then the mom realizes like okay it's time to tell you the truth Ellis so she takes Ellis to the barn and she wants to explain to him why the parents divorced so she's gonna tell him the truth now so she reveals to Ellis that when he was younger he accidentally killed his brother Lucas because he didn't realize that the gun had a bullet in it and he accidentally shot his brother and that's why there's a hole in the barn with a blood splat on it and it turns out this whole time Ellis has been imagining Lucas and he's not really there but the death of Lucas is what made the mom get a divorce and go into depression okay this is honestly giving me goosebumps so Ellis just starts crying like freaking out like he cannot believe that he did such a thing and the mom's trying to comfort him and like you're forgiven it's okay but out of frustration Ellis just pushes the mom but in the process of pushing the mom the mom falls off the ledge and she dies and all of a sudden the lantern fell and the barn just catches on fire what yeah so Ellis gets out the barn starts running away but then all of a sudden he kind of falls a little bit and then he looks up and he sees his mom and his brother lucas again and that's how the story ends so all this time ellis is just imagining lucas yeah so now he's imagining lucas and his mom so he's like convincing himself that they're still alive but they're not dude this is a freaky story do you know the dark story about the exam that has no questions what the heck is that so the story starts out with eight different people and they're all getting ready because they're about to take this exam and if they can pass this exam they get their dream job so they all have to go to this one room and there's eight different desks everybody has their own desk there's cameras watching them constantly and there's also an armed guard that's going to be in the room while they're taking the test at all times okay what kind of test is this so it's really crazy so everyone walks in the room they all sit down and they're all really scared and nervous 
this. Dude, who wouldn't be? There's an armed guard in the room. Yeah, so then all of a sudden, another guy walks in, and his name is the Invigilator. And he tells all the candidates, like, congratulations, you've made it this far. This is, like, your final test to be able to get your dream job. So the Invigilator starts trying to talk about the rules of the exam. And the first rule is that no federal laws apply in this exam room. So you could basically break the law. All you have to do is follow the rules of the exam. That's the only rules you have to follow. What kind of rule is that? Yeah, so the rules of the exam is that no candidate is allowed to talk to the guard or the invigilator and they cannot ruin their test paper on purpose or by accident and if one of the candidates choose to walk out of the room they automatically are disqualified so they're all given 80 minutes to take this exam and the invigilator tells them okay there's only one question on this exam that you have to answer and before the test begins the invigilator asks all eight of them is there any questions you guys have so no one asks the question so the invigilator says okay you guys can start and then he just leaves the room wait so there's all these rules for just one question yeah so all the candidates turn over their test paper and they realize that the paper is blank and there's not a single question on the paper. Wait, so there's no question. They all start panicking because there's nothing on the paper. They don't know what to do. So since the time is running, all of a sudden candidate number two starts panicking and gets out a pencil and starts writing down on the piece of paper reasons why she's the most qualified for the job. So then all of a sudden the camera is watching her writing on the piece of paper and all of a sudden the guard goes and grabs candidate number two and throws her out because she broke a rule. She ruined the piece of paper by writing on it. So all she did was write on the paper and she got thrown out. Yeah, so candidate number five I've realized that we're not allowed to talk to the guards, but they said nothing about talking to each other. So he starts trying to talk to everyone. He tells everybody how we should work together and try to figure this out. So they all start trying to work together and try to figure out what this exam is, but they are so confused and none of them know. So time is passing and candidate number five is like, okay, screw this. I'm going to try to stand up. They never said we couldn't do that. So he stands up and they all realize that we're allowed to stand up because we're not in trouble for that. Okay. How are they supposed to do an exam that has no questions on it? Right. So all of a sudden, one of the girls grabs their piece of paper, walks up to the light, hoping that they're going to be able to see like some kind of secret message through the light but they see nothing it's blank still so yeah then everyone starts trying to grab their piece of paper and check it up to the light and realize there's still nothing and then one of the candidates realized that maybe it requires like a uv light or x-ray so they start looking around and they realize if they destroy all the lights the emergency lights will turn on which will be like uv lights okay watch one of them get in trouble for just breaking the light it is really risky so they all decide like let's take a vote so then they're all voting and they realize okay screw it we're just gonna start breaking the lights so once they break all the lights all of a sudden the emergency lights turn on and it is like a uv light so they all go up, try to put the paper to the light, hoping that there's going to be something on it. And they realize there's still blank. There's still nothing there. But then they realize that there's even more lights behind the emergency lights. So they destroy the emergency lights. And all of a sudden, a different color light comes through. So they all run up to the light, try to put their paper up to it. And they realize it's still blank. There's still nothing there. So they all start panicking because 20 minutes has passed now. And there's only 60 minutes left. So candidate number five realizes, like, let's all just go use candidate number two's paper and start trying to experiment on it because she's already been disqualified. So they all head all around candidate number two's paper and they start trying to scribble on it they even try spitting on it they try peeing on it and nothing changes it's still blank okay i'm so confused what they're supposed to do with this paper yeah so one of the guys starts freaking out and he's crying and he's like can you guys all see something in the paper and everyone's like so confused like what is this guy saying and then he says like you guys are all reflections of the paper so everyone's like dude what is this man saying like shut up so one of the other guys is like maybe this isn't an exam maybe this is like a real life squid game i want to interrupt this podcast to thank athletic greens for being one of our first sponsors on this episode So Athletic Greens has a product called AG1. And if you guys don't know what AG1 is, don't worry. I'm going to get into it right now. AG1 is actually a product that I've been taking a lot. Every morning, I just get a scoop of AG1. Ooh, that's a little too much of a scoop, but one full scoop. I put it in my bottle, and all I do is get some cold water, and I add it about 8 to 12 ounces in my bottle. And then all I do is I just let it fill up. All right, I'm trying to do this live for you guys to prove to you how great this stuff is. So I just put the cap on and I shake it up 
And what's great about AG1 is like if you're someone that can't swallow pills or can't intake a lot of supplements at one time, like me, I have a hard time swallowing pills. So what AG1 has is there's 75 vitamins and minerals inside that's very crucial for us to live a healthy life. And what's amazing about this is that it's all in this one bottle, in this powder. So all I do is I just shake it up and it's ready to go. And I'm serious, it's as simple as this. It's under a minute, right? I just did that really quick. And it tastes really good. I've taken a lot of different supplements in my life. And what's amazing is it actually has like a really satisfying taste. There's like a little vanilla, like a hint of vanilla. So it's really good. And for everyone who doesn't know, is that I actually am a registered EMT. So at one time, I was trying to become a firefighter and health and wellness is very important to me. I went through the training and everything. So AG1 is a very important product. Like I wouldn't ever recommend something to you guys that I feel is gonna endanger you or not perform. AG1 is amazing. It's gone through a lot of testing. Olympians are allowed to use it. Professional athletes are allowed to use it. I played college golf. So health and wellness, like I said, is very important. And I want to make sure that we help you guys as viewers and to make sure that you guys know that we appreciate you for supporting the channel. And I want to read to you guys what Athletic Greens, the company, actually sent to me to read to you guys so you guys know exactly what they're offering. So if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you one free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. And let me just show you guys the travel packs really quick. What's amazing about the travel packs is it's very simple. It's these one little packs, individual packs, with enough powder of one scoop. So you just take this pouch with you, you put it in your pocket, you put it in your backpack, you can take it on the go. If you don't wanna carry like the whole thing of powder, I recommend getting the travel packs just because you can just rip it open, pour it in your bottle, put some water in, and you're ready to go. And also make sure you go to athleticgreens.com slash nobodies. That's athleticgreens.com slash nobodies, N-O-B-O-D-Y-S at the end. And make sure you use our promo code to get this discount where you can get one free supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. I'm telling you right now, as an athlete, as someone that really is trying to be conscious about what our health, there's a lot of bad things in this world and Athletic Greens is not one of them. AG1 is an amazing product. So make sure you go check it out and let's get back to the podcast. And they're trying to like make us the victims and we're actually supposed to kill each other. I mean, it almost seems like that. So everyone starts talking about their theories, like what's really going on and what they're supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, one of the girls say like, oh no, the company would not do that to us. Like they're not going to make us like kill each other or torture us like that. So all the candidates become really skeptical of this girl. Like, how do you know so much about this company? Like, how do you know that? So the lady reveals that she actually works for the company and she took the exam hoping to be able to get a better job. But no one else knows what this company is or what it does. All he knows is that this is going to help them get a new job. So the lady tells everyone, well, this company is actually a medical company that found a cure for a disease that's been saving a bunch of people's lives. Wait a second. Are they all test subjects then? So one of the girls realized something and she walks up to the garden, reaches in his pocket and pulls out a lighter. And then she looks up and realizes that there's a fire alarm above her. And the group's like, why don't we start a fire and maybe we can get the water to come down and it's going to change the paper somehow. So the girl stands on top of the desk and holds up the lighter to the fire alarm, but she's not tall enough to get there. So the guy hands her a piece of paper and she lights it on fire and puts it up to the alarm and sure enough the water starts pouring down from the sprinklers but then all of a sudden the guard starts walking towards everyone so they broke a rule then so the girl realized right when the guards walking towards her she opened up the piece of paper and it says candidate number four on the piece of paper and she realized that she's candidate number four and since she damaged her own piece of paper she's now disqualified and punished so she has to be escorted out candidate number five betrayed her and took her paper when she wasn't looking and handed it to her and she thought she was using candidate number two who's already disqualified and then candidate number five goes up to candidate 
Friday to number one and like starts threatening him and bullying him and forcing him to write on his paper and eat it. So candidate number one starts doing it and the guard escorts him out because he ruined his paper too. Dude, candidate five is messed up. Yeah, so now there's only five candidates left and they're really upset at candidate five. So they all start fighting candidate five and knock him out and they tie him to a chair. So candidate number five wakes up and he's like all out of it. And he says like, where's my medication? I need my medication. And he tells him if I don't get my medication, I'm going to die. And he reveals that he actually has that deadly disease that the company actually has been helping fix. And he tells all the candidates like, look, if you help me find my medication, I'll tell you guys how to answer the exam. Is the disease contagious? Well, that's what everyone's afraid of. So they start trying to all work together, try to find his medication and they can't find it. So what they realize is that for the candidates, one of them must be hiding the medication because they can't find it. So one of the girls realized that underneath the desk, his medication was stuck to a piece of gum. So she pulls it out and she starts trying to hand it to number five. But right before he can take it, one of the guys hits it out of her hand and the medication falls into the vent. So the lady starts panicking like, why would you do that? And she looks into the camera and starts yelling at the invigilator like, please help us. We need help. He's going to die. And since she tried to talk to the invigilator, she broke the rule. So the guard had to escort her out because she was disqualified. Okay, so now there's only four people. Yeah, so one of the girls managed to grab the medication out of the vent and give it to number five and save his life. So they all asked number five, okay, we saved your life. We helped you out. Now tell us how we're going to beat this exam since you said you had the answer. So number five tells them there is no question and there is no answer. The only answer is the last person to be alive in this room is the winner and is going to get the job. So number five immediately starts running at the guard to grab his gun. And before he can grab the guy's gun, another guy fights number five and knocks it out of his hand and grabs the gun. So then number five and the guy starts fighting. Dang, so they're just going to start shooting each other now. Yeah, so number five manages to grab the gun for the guy and he starts putting his finger on the trigger. But whenever he pulls the trigger, a red light starts going off and he realizes that there's fingerprint recognition. So he has to grab the guard's hand to put it on the trigger to use it. So number five starts pointing at everybody and says like, hey, if you don't want to die, get out of the room now. So one of the guys like, okay, I don't want to die. I'm just going to leave. So he disqualifies himself. Okay, so that makes it three left. Yeah, so the last girl starts walking towards the exit and right when she's about to walk out she yells lights out and all of a sudden the lights shut off and number five just starts shooting the gun randomly and then all of a sudden the lights turn back on and number five actually shot one of the guys and he's just lying on the ground so they're doing all this just for a job so number five starts looking around and he realizes that the girl still has one foot in the room she didn't fully leave yet so she hasn't lost so he starts pointing the gun at her but then he looks at the clock and realizes that there's zero seconds left so number five looks at the camera and says hey invigilator like i won i'm the last one here and then all of a sudden the guard walks up to number five and shows him his watch on his wrist and he says you actually have 20 seconds left so since number five tried to talk to the invigilator he actually lost because the game was still going how would the clock go from zero seconds to 20 seconds so during all the commotion like earlier in the exam number one went up to the clock and adjusted it changing the time so no one knew but the girl actually saw number one do that and she knew that she actually had extra time compared to the real clock. So in the end, the girl grabbed number one's glasses because it was on the ground and she starts looking at it, using it to look at the paper. And sure enough, it revealed the one question. And then all of a sudden, number one walks back into the room and he reveals that he's actually the CEO of the company and he wanted to be there to oversee everything. So him and the invigilator ask her, okay, so what's the answer to the question? And she responds, no. What? You see the very first question the invigilator asked everybody? He said, is there any questions and no one said anything all one person had to do is just say no and they would have won are you kidding me yeah so they hired the girl and they reveal that no one actually died the bullets were fake and it actually just put someone to sleep so the guy wakes back up and no one was harmed okay this was an insane story i mean but it shows you though what people will do 
for things that they really want, right? To get ahead in life. If you ever see a Furby in a random spot, you should never pick it up. Like the toy Furby? Yeah, so there's a legend that you should never pick up an abandoned Furby because one day, two kids found a Furby in the woods outside their grandparents' house and it was super dirty and super beat up. So they decided to take it home and clean it. But after cleaning it, they noticed it had red eyes, which was super unusual. So they decided to put batteries in it. And once they put batteries in it, it started speaking like, how a Furby does. Like, you don't really know what it's saying. Right, it always used to make some kind of weird sound. Yeah, but right after this, it then started to speak English, and it was only repeating the phrase, put me back. What? Yeah, then the grandma came into the room and asked them where they got the Furby, and when she found out it was from the woods, she took it and ran it back out into the woods, and she told the kids that a little girl went missing in their area years ago, and the parents put the Furby out in the woods to see if it would help her find her way back home. I hated Furbies before you said this story, but now I even hate them even more. Dude, Furbies are scary. Do you know the story about a girl that got trapped in a basement but it actually saved her life. What do you mean? So the story starts off with a girl named Michelle and she's actually a fashion designer and she's leaving her apartment. But what she does is she leaves behind some keys in a wedding ring. And for some reason, she drives out of her city and just keeps driving and she's just driving for hours and then she decides to go to a gas station. And when she gets out of her car to get gas, she notices like a really suspicious truck nearby, but she doesn't think anything of it and she just gets back in her car and starts driving. Oh gosh. So she's driving on the road again, and all of a sudden her husband, Ben, keeps trying to call her, but she's really upset at her husband. And that's the reason why she left her house in the first place. So he keeps calling her, and Michelle keeps hanging up on him. And then she turns on the radio and hears that there's been a bunch of power outages around her area. But then all of a sudden something hits Michelle's car, and an accident happens, and her car starts flipping over. Did she survive? Yeah, so Michelle wakes up, and she wakes up in like this concrete room, and she notices that she has shackles on her legs. And she's like so confused, so she grabs like one of these medical poles, and she sees her stuff, so she's... She's trying to grab her cell phone. And when she grabs her cell phone, she's like so happy. And she looks at it and she realizes that there's no reception where she's at. And then all of a sudden, Michelle hears these footsteps coming towards the door. And all of a sudden, this guy walks in with some food for her. And he also has a gun on his hip. And his name is Howard. So Howard tells Michelle, I'm trying to help you. And he hands her some crutches to try to help her get back on her feet and heal her legs. But Michelle's like really freaked out by this guy. Like, who is this guy? And Howard throws her some keys. And the keys are to unlock her shackles so she can get out. Dude, what the heck is up with Howard? So Michelle tries to think of a way to get out of this room. Like, how is she going to escape? So she decides to start a little fire in the air vent, hoping that that's going to get Howard's attention. Because she wants Howard to come in the room so she can attack him. And sure enough, Howard walks in the room. And Michelle tries to attack him. But before you know it, Howard puts her to sleep. Wait, is Howard bad or good? So Michelle wakes up and Howard's sitting there with food for her. And Howard explains to Michelle how he saved her life from the car crash and found her and was able to recover her. And during the time of the car crash, there was a nuclear accident. So he took Michelle underground into the basement to save her from all the radiation. So Howard explains to Michelle how the air is polluted and there's so much radiation that it would take years for the air to clean up for them to go outside again. So everyone outside is dead. Yeah, so Howard explains to her how everyone outside of the bunker has die. So Michelle gets up and starts wandering around the bunker and she meets a new friend named Emmett and Emmett's also living in the bunker with them. So how many others are in the bunker? So it's just Michelle, Emmett, and Howard and Howard takes them around and shows them the living space and shows them how there's DVDs, board games, there's food to last them for years. But Howard just has one rule and tells them, I just have one rule and that is no one touches each other. Well, that's a weird rule to say. Right? And when Michelle's looking around the house, she finds this photo of this girl named Megan and Howard says, oh, Megan's no longer with us. Yeah, that's not weird at all. Yeah, so Howard decides to take Michelle to the very top of the bunker to show her the outside. And Michelle sees like how there's like some animals that are dead and she sees Howard's truck outside and she recognizes the truck and she remembers that truck because the same truck she saw at the gas station the night of her accident. So this makes Michelle super suspicious of Howard. Okay, that is really weird. So later that 
day, Michelle goes to talk to Emmett and she tells him, I think Howard tried to kill me. I think Howard's the one that crashed into my car that night. And Emmett's like, no, Howard wouldn't lie to you. Like Howard's a good person. Howard actually saved my life from the nuclear attack and let me live here. So later that night when they have dinner, Michelle wants to try to think of a plan to upset Howard so that she could escape. So what she does is she starts trying to flirt with Emmett and this really upsets Howard. But what Howard doesn't know is Michelle actually stole his keys. So she's hiding underneath the table. So all of a sudden they hear this sound like a car above their head and she's able to attack Howard, knocks him over, and she runs to the front to try to get out with the key. And when she gets to the top, she realizes there's a car outside. And the person's driving it? Well, no, there's actually like a crazy lady outside that's like starts trying to say like, help me and stuff. And all of a sudden, Michelle's like, oh my gosh, this is real. Like, Howard's not lying. So Michelle goes back downstairs and starts trying to cooperate with Howard. Okay, so Howard did kind of save Michelle's life. Yeah, so they all start kind of getting along. The three of them eat dinner. They have like, they show them playing board games. All of a sudden, they hear alarms start going off. And this alarm means that the air filtration unit was turned off. So Howard has Michelle climb through the air vents to get to the control room. And when she gets into the control room, she notices she looks up and there's a window. And on the window, there's a word help engraved in the glass. So Michelle thinks that's really weird. So she turns back on the air filtration unit. But when she looks down, she notices there's an earring on the ground and there's blood on it. Uh, here we go. So Michelle notices that this earring is really familiar to her. So she goes up to Emmett and says, like, look at this earring. Have you seen this before? And Michelle remembers that the same earring was in the photo with that girl named Megan. So she shows the photo to Emmett and Emmett's like, that girl's not Megan. That's Brittany. That girl actually went to school with my sister and went missing two years ago. Okay, this is getting weird. Then all of a sudden when Emmett and Michelle were going through Howard's stuff, one of Howard's books had a photo of him and Brittany together. And the shirt that Brittany was wearing is the same shirt that Howard gave to Michelle to wear. So Michelle and Emmett start realizing that Howard's really bad. So they have to plan an escape to get out of here. So Michelle sees a picture of a hazmat suit in a magazine. So she gets a shower curtain and starts trying to cut one together and try to make a hazmat suit every day. Wait, just one suit? Isn't there two of them? Yeah, well, only one suit because one person would stay back with Howard and one person would go out and try to get help to bring like authorities back to arrest Howard. So what Emmett would do when Michelle was working on the suit, he would play board games with Howard to like distract him. But Howard thought that was really weird. So later that day, Howard asked Michelle and Emmett, like, come here, I want to talk to you. He wants to know why some of his tools were missing. Oh, no. So Emmett confesses to Howard and says, it was all my fault. Michelle had nothing to do with it. I've been trying to plan this. This is all on me. Michelle had no idea about it. And as Emmett's apologizing, and before he could finish, Howard shoots him. What? So later that day, Howard, like, cleans up and, like, shaves his face and, like, tries to look presentable and goes up to Michelle. And Michelle's like freaked out, right? She's crying. She's so sad about Emmett's death. Howard brings her some ice cream. And obviously she doesn't want no ice cream. So Michelle realizes to honor Emmett's death, she's going to finish this hazmat suit and get out of here. So she starts working on the hazmat suit again. But while she's finishing up the suit, Howard finally sees her making the suit. All right, guys, I interrupt this podcast because this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And before I get into what BetterHelp is, I want to talk about the reasons why we're talking about BetterHelp. We all go through struggles in life. There's no perfect person. Like I know for me, I don't want to like talk in like general. I'm going to talk from my pers like my experience. Throughout my life, I've struggled with different things and I tend to internalize a lot of my issues. Like if I have a problem with a friend, I would rather like keep it inside than be like call them out. So what that does is though, it builds up like resentment and it makes life tough because I'm thinking about it in my head like, "Oh, I don't want to offend that person." So it just causes my brain to like not function at its best. Like I played college golf and say if I had an issue with a friend that I didn't address with them, I would be thinking about that the whole golf round and it would just affect my performance. It would affect my performance in school. I'm pretty sure, I hope this is relatable to everyone. I'm not the only person that does this, but what's amazing is that once you can get the help you need to figure out ways to cope with your friend, make resolution or whatever it may be, 
your mind will become more clear and allow you to like function way better, allow you to perform at your best, and you just won't have that guilt and resentment within you. And you could just live a way more peaceful life. And I, that's why I want to talk about BetterHelp. All right, guys, I'm going to read to you guys exactly what BetterHelp is, just so you understand. I know you guys have probably heard about it, but I feel like a lot of people don't quite understand what it is. So BetterHelp can equip you with coping skills, help you deal with traumatic experiences, and so much more. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist at any time. It couldn't be simpler. There's no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. To learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com nobodies, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash nobodies. And like I said, guys, make sure you use code nobodies at checkout. It helps the channel stay afloat. It helps be able to fund what we do. And it's just, if you want to find a way to support the channel, that's the best way to do it. As you guys see out throughout this video, everything that we talk about is things that we use and we really believe in. And like I said, I am an EMT. I am nationally registered. I played college golf. I, I care about my health and wellness. And I feel like one of the most overlooked things is mental health. So we want to always stress ways to get help that you need. And I think BetterHelp is one of the best solutions for that. So thank you guys for supporting the channel and make sure you use our code when you go to betterhelp.com slash nobodies. And they start fighting. So they're like fighting and then all of a sudden Michelle kicks over like this poison bucket and it gets all over Howard. And she starts trying to cause a bunch of barriers in Howard's way so that he can't get to her. And then she manages to get to the top of the bunker and escape and break out. She got out? Yeah, so she's outside and she's running. But in the process of running to the car, she accidentally rips her suit and she starts freaking out. Dude, you gotta be kidding me. So she grabs some duct tape and she starts trying to tape up and patch up her suit so that that poisonous air doesn't get in. But when she's doing this, she looks up in the sky and she realizes that she sees birds flying in the sky. And she's like, how are birds flying in the sky if there's poisonous air? They should be dead. So she decides to take off her mask. And sure enough, she could breathe. There's nothing wrong with the air. Wait, so there is no nuclear attack. Yeah, so get this. All of a sudden, she sees an airplane in the distance. But all of a sudden, the airplane turns around and it's actually an alien. Wait a second. This is a sci-fi story? Yeah. So all of a sudden, the alien's trying to attack Michelle. And it's trying to, like, bring her into the mouth of the alien. So Michelle gets a bomb and chucks it inside the alien's mouth and the alien dies. And Michelle's able to get away. Okay, that's a crazy ending. That story has such a crazy twist. Like, I would have never expected it to end that way. I remember when I saw it, I was like, what? Dude, I thought this girl was, like, getting kidnapped. Like, it was, like, a whole, like, thing. But it's aliens? So do you know about the girls that got stuck on a 2,000-foot TV tower? It's literally twice the size of the Eiffel Tower. How would that even happen? So this girl named Becky and her husband Dan and her friend Hunter, they all love adventure. And they all love doing like rock climbing together. So one day they all go rock climbing. But something happens with Dan's harness while he's doing the rock climbing. And there's a malfunction. And he falls down. And he dies. So 51 weeks go by. And Becky is really grieving her husband's death. And she's just a mess. She doesn't know what to do with herself. She's depressed. Becky's dad is really worried for her. So he calls her friend Hunter. Like, hey, go hang out with Becky. She's really needing a friend right now. So Hunter meets up with Becky. Tries to reunite. And tries to bring happiness back into Becky's life. And Hunter tells Becky, like, hey, look. There's an adventure we can do. There's a 2,000 foot tv tower that i want to climb so to help her they're gonna make her climb the same exact thing that killed her husband yeah well hunter thinks that the top of the tv tower would be like the perfect place to like let dan's ashes go but becky's really skeptical especially after the death of her husband she, she doesn't want to really do anything dangerous but then hunter reminds becky that her husband dan would have told becky 
I want you to be adventurous. I want you to be like, go out there and conquer your fears. So Becky's like, okay, you're right. I better go do this. I'll go do this with you. You gotta be kidding me. So after driving for a while, heading to the TV tower, they stop at a diner. And it turns out that Hunter reveals that she's actually a vlogger. And she carries around this special phone charger with her at all times where it allows her to get electricity where she could plug into anything and always get power. So that night they both stay at a motel. But what's really sad is Becky keeps having dreams of her husband. And whenever she says, I love you, he says 143. It's so random, but she doesn't understand why does he keep saying 143 in the dream. So the next morning when Becky wakes up, she's really nervous about going on the tower now. She's having second thoughts. But Hunter's like, no, we got to do this. So let's go. They hop in the car. They start driving. And all of a sudden, Hunter's filming herself for her vlog. And almost an accident happens. What a way to start the day. Yeah. So when they get to the tower, they have to stop their car early because there's a fence that says like no trespassing. So it forces them to get out of the car and have to walk to the tower. So when they get to the tower, they start looking up and they realize this tower is huge and they cannot believe how tall it is. So even though they're both scared, they just get their rope, they tie it to each other and they start climbing up the ladder to go up the tower. And when Becky starts climbing up the ladder, all of a sudden one of the steps in the ladder breaks off. Dude, why don't they just turn around? I know it's crazy. So what they do is they keep climbing, right? They climb, they reach a thousand feet and they both take a break. They're like, okay, let's drink some water. Let's relax. And then they just keep climbing until they reach the top of the first ladder. Keep in mind, they're 1800 feet in the air. It's super windy and it's super not safe. So in order for them to get to the very top, they have to climb another 200 foot ladder. Okay. At that height, the wind is probably crazy. Yeah. And not only that, the height is so scary. So like Becky's looking down and she realizes like, oh my gosh, this is too crazy for me. And Becky starts freaking out. So Hunter's like, stop being like a baby. Like, let's keep going. We're going to keep pushing through. And then to scare Becky, Hunter starts shaking the ladder while she's on it. And this causes one of the bolts in the ladder to fly out. But lucky for them, the ladder stayed in place and they managed to climb to the top still. So when they get to the top, Becky starts taking out Dan's ashes and she lets it fly. But then once they let the ashes fly, now it's time to go back down. Okay, I feel like going down is harder than going up. Yeah, but this time when Becky starts climbing down the ladder, the ladder that had the bolt missing starts breaking and the ladder literally starts falling down off the tower. But Becky is so lucky that Hunter's holding her rope, keeping her up. So Hunter starts trying to pull up Becky to the top of the tower again. But at this point, the ladder completely fell off. So there's no more ladder there. Oh my gosh. So currently they're stuck at the very top, 2000 feet in the air. And they start pulling out their cell phones and they realize there is no reception at the top. The only thing they have is when they look at the bottom of the pole, they open it up and there's like an emergency box and it has binoculars and a flare gun. And their only resources, like their water bottles and their drone, was in a backpack that fell when the ladder broke and it's sitting on a satellite below them. Well, that's just great. So what they decide to do is try to post the photo online to try to ask for help. And what they do is they try to lower the cell phone with the rope, trying to get it lower so that there's reception. But unfortunately, they couldn't get the phone low enough where there was reception. But while they were doing this, trying to get reception, Becky notices on Hunter's ankle, she has a weird tattoo. And right when Becky was about to ask Hunter, like, what is that tattoo? All of a sudden, Hunter says, look, there's a guy down there with a dog. So there's a guy down below and they keep trying to yell, get his attention, but he can't hear them. So then Becky rips off her shoes off her feet, starts trying to chuck it down below to try to have it land near the guy to get his attention. But he doesn't see it. How do you not see the shoes? I guess because the guy was on his cell phone and he had his back to them so he couldn't hear it or see it. So that night, Becky starts looking at old videos of her wedding on her cell phone and she sees Hunter in the background of one of the videos at her wedding and Hunter looks like she's really jealous of Becky and it looks like there's some really weird vibes going on and Becky's like really disturbed by it. And this makes Becky really suspicious of Hunter. But then all of a sudden, Hunter sees these guys near her RV. So she grabs the flare gun at night shoots it up in the air, hoping that they're going to see it. So the two guys see the flare in the sky. So they hop in their RV and start driving it to the tower. So when they get to the tower, they hop out of their car. But instead of helping them, 
they hop and steal Hunter's car and drive off. Are you serious? So that night, Becky and Hunter try to sleep on the tower. Keep in mind, it's windy, it's cold, and Hunter almost falls off. But luckily, Becky grabs her and holds her up. But in the process of Becky saving Hunter, Becky realizes that Hunter has a tattoo on her ankle that says 143, which is the same numbers that her husband Dan used to say all the time. Dude, that's weird. Yeah, so Hunter feels really awkward, right? Because Becky's catching on to something. And Hunter finally admits to her that during their relationship, Hunter actually had an affair with Becky's husband, Dan. Okay, she should have just dropped her. So that night, they didn't talk to each other, and the next morning was really awkward. And Hunter tries to tell Becky, like, look, I felt really bad about it, so I called off the affair two weeks before your guys' wedding because she realizes that it's wrong, and she didn't want to ruin Becky's friendship. But at this point, Becky is just so upset and can't believe it. And at this point, Becky just thinks they're going to die because they have no food, they have no water. But then Hunter remembers that in the backpack, there's the drone and the water bottles. But keep in mind, it's way down below. So Hunter decides she wants to go down and try to retrieve it because she wants to try to make up for all her bad doing. So Hunter ties a rope around her, starts trying to rappel down to go get the backpack. But unfortunately, the rope wasn't long enough. So she has to take off the rope and jump to the satellite. But now the rope is too high for her to reach it from the satellite. Dude, what the heck? So Hunter gets out a selfie stick and she uses it to connect the backpack to the rope. And then she tries to jump to the rope and grab onto the backpack. So Hunter starts climbing up with the backpack, but all of a sudden the rope malfunctions and she starts falling. But at the last second, once again, Becky is able to save Hunter and pulls her up and brings up the backpack. So Becky starts drinking some water and she gets out a pen and starts writing out a letter to put onto the drone, hoping that they could fly the drone to the diner and get help. Okay, that at least sounds like a good idea. But it turns out when she's flying it, the battery's about to die on the drone, so the drone comes back, and she has to try to charge it. So Becky has to climb to the very top of the tower, and she removes the red light at the top, and she puts the special charger into the top, to power up the drone and while she's trying to charge the drone all of a sudden this vulture tries to attack her and she's fighting this vulture while she's trying to charge the drone and all of a sudden she drops the backpack again so becky climbs down and puts the note on the drone and she starts trying to fly it again towards the diner so the drone is flying over the desert and she's really trying to concentrate to make sure she guides it through the wind when she's approaching the diner all of a sudden a truck just hits it and smashes it dude so at this point becky feels hopeless and she finally just says to hunter can I just use your other shoe? I'm going to put your, my cell phone in your shoe and we're just going to throw it down. And Hunter tells her no. Wait, why? So it turns out that Hunter's been dead this whole time and she actually died when she went to go try to get the backpack and she fell. But this whole time, Becky's been hallucinating, thinking that Hunter was still alive, but really she died at that moment. Dude, that is trippy. Yeah, she did this to make herself feel better and feel less lonely. So at this point, Becky gets out her phone, starts recording a message to her dad, like her last goodbye because she knows she's going to die. But she decides with the last ounce of strength she has, she starts trying to climb down. She repels with the rope again. She then detaches the rope from her waist and jumps down to the satellite. And then she's able to try to send a text to her dad. So she sends the text to her dad, but it's still no reception, right? But she knows if she can throw the phone down, the phone could still send the message. So she puts her phone in the shoe with Hunter's body and pushes Hunter's body off the edge to get the phone to go down. And she thought that by putting it with Hunter, it will protect the phone. Okay, this is too crazy. And the message ended up going through, getting to the dad, and it allowed him to send help to the daughter. And she was able to survive and get help and come down. This story is honestly making me sweat. Yeah, isn't it? I'm sweating. I'm sweating right now. Yeah. It's so intense. What's trippy is she hallucinated that she was still alive. I know. That's crazy. Hey, you I took out some of the crazy stuff in the story too. Really? Yeah, there's some other stuff that happened. If you ever find a red crayon, 
randomly in your house, you should probably get out. What's so bad about a red crayon? So a married couple bought and moved into a new house because they got it for super cheap. Like it was weirdly cheap. And on the first day of moving in, the husband was walking through the house and he found a red crayon on the ground. But the couple didn't have any kids. So he thought this was really weird, but he just threw the crayon away. And then the next day, he found a red crayon in the same exact spot as the day before. That is so weird. Yeah, so then the husband starts to get super weirded out and he decides to go around the whole house and start knocking on the walls to see if he could find a hollow spot. And after knocking for a really long time, he actually found one and he started ripping off the wallpaper and it actually revealed a door that was nailed shut. I would flip out so hard if I found a door that was like hidden in my house. Yeah, so he started taking out all the nails on the door and once he got all the nails off, he opened the door and all that was in there was a little kid's chair and a red crayon and written all over the walls was the phrase, Mommy, I'm sorry, please let me out. Wait, so there was a kid in there? Like a mom like trapped her kid in there. Do you know about the couple who was asked to stay in a room for 50 days and if they could do it, they would get $5 million? Was the room at least nice? So it was a really basic room and then basically the couple has to stay in this room for 50 days and if one of them leave, the price goes down from 5 million to 1 million. So the couple has no outside connections. All they have is each other. There's no entertainment. There's really nothing to do at all. So the couple's names is Mike and Kate. And when they get into the room for the first time, they look around and they think the room is beautiful. The room is completely covered in white and all they have is a bed, a bench, and like a bathroom. And that is it. And Mike and Kate have been through a lot and they've been through a lot of struggles. So they finally thought this is their opportunity to finally be comfortable and live a good life. What are they going to do with the money when they win? So Mike wants to use the money to basically party and have a good time and live the life he never lived before. Whereas Kate is very different. She wants to save the money and be smart with it so in the room the bathroom has a rule where only one person can go in the bathroom at a time that's kind of weird because they're a couple yeah so on the wall there's also this red button and if they press the red button that allows the doors to open and that means they want to leave there's also a touch screen on the wall where it allows them to buy treats and at the very top of the wall there's this countdown clock that's counting down the days like the 50 days and every day they're given this nutritious food but it's in a white bottle with no taste but it has all the nutrients they need it literally just says food on it okay this room sounds like it sucks so every day the lights change from like morning to show afternoon to show night. So after the first night, they wake up to take a shower and they change their clothes and they're just given a new pair of pajamas. And as time goes by, they realize it's hard to keep each other entertained. So Kate starts to do yoga and Mike just stands around looking at the clock, counting down the 50 days. And then Kate keeps trying to tell Mike, like, stop looking at the clock. It's going to make it really hard for you. And Mike's like, no, I have to look like I can't do it. So at night, Mike has a hard time sleeping. All he does is stays up and starts thinking about things. So the next morning, Kate tries to help lift Mike's spirit. So she's like trying to play games with him, dances with him plays like patty cake with him. So Mike starts to get better. He starts to try to exercise when Kate's doing yoga. So then a couple weeks go by and they realize something different happens. And all of a sudden, Mike finds a little bug on the ground. How does a bug change things? So what Mike does is he grabs his food, right? The tasteless food. And he starts pouring it on the ground to help the bug, trying to feed it. But then all of a sudden, the AI security yells at Mike and says, hey, you cannot do that. You cannot put your food on the ground. It's against the rules. So Mike asks the AI, like, can we please help this bug? This bug is suffering. Let's let him free. So the AI is not responding to Mike. So Mike wants to hit the red button to open up the doors to let the bug go. But Kate is scared. If he touches the red button, she thinks that they're going to lose. So Kate and Mike start arguing and Mike's accusing Kate of not having a heart and not wanting to help this bug. And Kate gets really mad at Mike. So she walks away. But in the process of walking away, she accidentally steps on the bug and kills it. So Mike gets really depressed and it makes him really upset. So he decides to use $100,000 of their money to buy a treat for himself. And the treat that was given to him was a green crayon. And this makes Mike so happy because he was an artist before he entered the room. 
So he's able to draw on the walls and he's like really happy to be creative again. So Kate watches Mike draw and she realizes that she was wrong and she was being heartless. So she sits with Mike and watches him draw. So the next day Kate wakes up and goes into the bathroom and she sees a gun sitting on the sink counter. How would a gun randomly appear there? Yeah, so after staying in the room for 30 days without leaving, they find the gun on the sink and they have no idea who put it there. How would the gun get there? Yeah, it's really strange. So Mike and Kate grab the gun and they hide it underneath the bed. So a couple hours go by and since they were able to last in the room for 30 days, they were given video messages from their loved ones. So these videos were pre-recorded videos from their family members, basically giving them videos of encouragement. But then all of a sudden, Kate's dad gets on the screen and she just starts to get really depressed and doesn't want to hear what he has to say because she doesn't like her dad. So she runs away and tries to hide from the video. So after this, Kate gets really depressed and doesn't want to do anything, just sleeps in her bed all day. So Mike tries to help Kate, but through this process, he ends up getting really depressed. And when Kate sees him depressed, she wakes up and realizes that she better help him. So Kate tells Mike, you should get a treat, get the last treat, pay $250 dollars and get the treat so mike does it then all of a sudden the doors open up and this lady walks in the lady's the treat yeah so mike and kate are super confused like why is this lady here and kate doesn't like this girl she cannot stand that the girl's here her name is simone and simone really likes mike's art on the walls and this makes kate super jealous okay how much time is left before they win at this point i think they have like two weeks left until they win so kate is over it so she uses some more money to buy a treat for herself so the treat that was given to her is like this candy so she offers it to mike and simone and after mike eats it he starts going crazy what the heck so kate is really worried that Simone's gonna take Mike away from her. So Kate and Simone start fighting. So they all go to sleep that night and then the next morning when Kate wakes up, she looks around and she can't find Simone anywhere. But then she realizes on the wall there's a message written down on it. And basically it says that she hooked up with Mike the night before. And Mike said he never did anything like that. And it's just like how the gun magically appeared. Someone's trying to mess with them. So Kate doesn't believe Mike at all and pushes him against the wall and he hits his head. And Mike starts to feel dizzy and doesn't feel well and he feels he needs to get a doctor. But Kate is like, no, we can't leave. We can't get a doctor for you. She's worried about losing the money. You can really see how the money's starting to get to her. Yeah, so Mike is disgusted that Kate's even acting this way. So he gets up, pushes the red button and is about to leave. And Kate starts threatening him and telling him he cannot leave. But Mike ends up leaving. Keep in mind, they just had two days left until they were gonna win the five million dollars. So what does Kate end up doing? So Kate starts going crazy. And all of a sudden you see her approach the red button, but then all of a sudden the story jumps four months later and you see Mike running down the street and he runs into Kate and he asks Kate like, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. Like, did you end up winning the game? And Kate avoids answering the question. But what you see in the distance is that she ends up helping buy like a homeless shelter. So she ends up winning. But the story ends with a new couple entering the room. And they're going to be the new people trying to win the $5 million. This is a really intense story. You could really see how money could really mess some people up. This part of the podcast is called Whose Side You On? Woo! And Leia's are right here. So let's just, <laughs> let's just get right into it. Whose Side You On? Is the boyfriend wrong or right? I found out my boyfriend baby trapped me. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here that, we go. That, okay. Never mind. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, 18 female, am currently 24 weeks pregnant with a baby boy. I've been with my boyfriend, 19 male, since I was a freshman and he was a sophomore. True high school sweethearts. We have that picture-perfect small-town relationship of the head cheerleader and football captain, even down to winning homecoming king and queen nearly every year. In my last year of school and since I've been pregnant, it's been really, really difficult. I'm doing dual enrollment courses through college, too, so I'm supposed to be graduating with my associates when I graduate high school. Wow. I'm extremely exhausted both mentally and physically. I really wouldn't wish this on anyone. I've been terribly sick and everything makes me feel sick. I just want to sleep all the time. And now people are staring and whispering constantly since I'm showing. Last night I was over at my boyfriend's house and we decided to bake some cookies just for the heck of it. And I was craving something sweet. He didn't have any cookie dough, so I thought we could look it up on YouTube and make it from scratch. He handed me his phone and I typed in how to into Google. 
the first thing that comes up is literally how to baby trap a girl. What? I didn't know if this was some kind of joke or whatever. I clicked his search history, went way back, and saw the whole list of searches like how to tamper with birth control pills, how to increase sperm count, how to track ovulation, just all kind of weird searches. Oh my gosh, speaking, this is like the perfect segue to talk about a sponsor of the podcast this week, ExpressVPN. <laughs> I interrupt this podcast because I want to say thank you to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this show. I know I'm not the only one who doesn't want people looking at what you're doing online. like. That's something that you would never think about, right? You use your computer. You would think like you have the privacy of your own home, but really you don't. And many of us think that going on like a private browser or incognito mode does something, but really it does not. I mean, it doesn't protect you really from anything because let me tell you something. There's always at least one person beside yourself that knows exactly what you're doing even if you're on a private browser or using incognito mode. And that's why whenever I go on my computer or my phone and use the internet, I always use ExpressVPN because let me tell you something, your internet provider, your internet service that you pay for, you trust, actually will sell your information and all the stuff you use on your phone, your computer, and you don't even know, but they're tracking all your information and they're just selling it and they don't have to tell you that they do that. That's why using ExpressVPN would stop this from happening. It will actually reroute your internet through a different server. ExpressVPN will use a protected server so your internet provider or your service that you usually pay for can't steal your data and sell it. And ExpressVPN will use the most powerful encrypted services to protect your Wi-Fi and all your data. So that's why we use ExpressVPN. Also, what's really cool about ExpressVPN, say like if you're watching Netflix, right, and you wanna watch a different movie or like different show, all you have to do is use ExpressVPN, put yourself in another country that has a, the catalog of movies that you want, and you can literally stream whatever movie you want that's in that country that you wouldn't get in America. So to protect yourself and your information, make sure you use our code expressvpn.com slash nobodies. And you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash nobodies. Expressvpn.com slash nobodies. And if, like I said before, guys, if you want to support the channel, please use our promo codes. It really helps a lot. So I use ExpressVPN. I've been using it for over a year now. It's one of the most amazing products because I don't want people tracking me. I don't want people stealing my information. I also want to be able to use Netflix in other countries because some shows just aren't in America that I want to watch. So make sure you guys use our code at expressvpn.com slash nobodies and it really helps the channel out. So let's get back to the show. I just showed him his phone and asked what that was about. He laughed and he just said plain as day. Well, I wanted a baby. I was in complete shock. Asked why he thought that it was a good idea and if he'd actually did anything that these searches suggested. He said that he did, and the reason why he did it was because he thought we were ready to start a family. I'm absolutely fuming at this point, and I just left to drive home. He's texted, called, everything, trying to talk to me, but I don't even know where to begin. I'm so mad. Was he wrong? Whose side are you on? Was he wrong? Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Without even, per like, permission. But see, if he would just use ExpressVPN, he could have hid his search history, and she would have never saw that. <laughs> okay. He's not a good guy. He's not a good guy, okay? I'm just saying. Yeah, but that, yeah, I mean, that is a solution. <laughs> that, he, would, he would still have been with her. Oh, man. Anyways, Gosh. horrible guy. Such a bad a person. jerk. I mean, that should be a crime. Yeah. Wow, that guy's a really bad person. Yeah. Could you and, imagine that? And, like, you know, she's just, she's trying to, like, do well in school, you know, do extracurriculars. There's been, like, a lot of, like, 
teen moms or younger moms, right? A lot of success stories. That yeah, have done yeah. phenomenal. But I just yeah. feel like it's not fair if the if the lady doesn't want to have a kid. Yeah, well this is the difference. She wasn't planning on doing that. And he didn't ask her, you know, and talk about it obviously cuz this right. is such a shock to her. Okay. Yeah, one more and then we have to we have a party to go to. Woo! <laughs> we have to go our friend Ashley, it's her birthday. Happy birthday, Happy Ashley. birthday, Ashley. We're, we're trying to film this podcast before your birthday. <laughs> Hopefully we're not too late. <laughs> All right. Whose side do you want? Is the writer wrong or right? Am I wrong for siding with my sister's ex and not my sister? Ooh. You're going, against, the, you're going against your family. <laughs> going against blood. So as a kid, I always looked up to my older sister because she was so cool, pretty, and the popular girl. I always tried to be like her, dress like her, listen to her music. You get the idea. I was popular the first time I stepped through high school because I was basically a copy of her. I was overwhelmed by the attention and quickly found out she was mostly popular with only the guys. She dated many of the guys in our high school and they thought I would too. I was so embarrassed. I had our mom take me out to buy new clothes and everything. Whatever she did, I went the opposite way. She wore tons of makeup. I wore none. She listened to a certain type of music. I didn't. We you went go, to girl. different colleges. Fast forward to now. Sis must have figured out her lifestyle wasn't healthy, so she stopped dating a bunch of men, deleting all of those apps, and met Sam. He's a very good looking, with a great personality, and amazing job guy. He was smart, funny, outgoing, and can own the entire room when he walks in. He grew up in a different city, so his family doesn't live here, but we've met and they're amazing just like him. Sam quickly replaced us as mom's favorite child and became our dad's best friend. He eventually proposed and everyone was over the moon. I was very happy for sis. Last week, she came to my door looking like a complete wreck. She was crying so hard she couldn't talk. After an hour or so, I calmed her down enough to get the story. Apparently, they were at a party and were mingling separately when he overheard some guys talking about her popularity. Sam joined the group and got her dating story. Two of the guys in that group dated her, and about four other guys at that party did too, one of whom works with him, which is why they were there. He heard about the guys laughing and about how all the men in town were depressed when she went away to college, but rejoiced when she came back. When they got home, he asked her. She told him the truth, and he left without saying a word. I helped Sis, and she's been staying with me for now. She hasn't told anyone and have been trying to get in touch with Sam and his family, but they're all ignoring her. Everyone on our side is super confused because Sam just disappeared. Our cousin, my best friend, pinned me down the other day to ask what happened. I told her and she was appalled. She called him all sorts of names and insecure. I said I can understand from his view as we live in a very small town and it's hard to know many men and your coworkers know your future wife. Then my cousin and I got into it. She said I should be supporting my sis no matter what. I argued. I am supporting her, but supporting doesn't mean I have to agree with her. Now I might lose my best friend. Edit, we're all in our 30s now, graduated college, and living on our own. Whose side do you want? That's rough. All I know is that we're running late to our event. <laughs> and I gotta go take my friend his shoes. Yes. So why don't you answer who's right and wrong? I think that she has a valid reason to not take the sister's side. I mean, the sister, you know, she chose to live the life that she did back in high school. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, she's just kind of going through the consequences right now. Uh -huh. So I don't think that she's wrong. Okay. I mean, I think it's, I think it's okay to sometimes not always agree or be on the same side with your sibling. Yeah. Depending on the consequences. You can't always just, you have to keep them in check too. You yeah. can't just let them lead, yeah. go a different direction. That's yeah. bad. And I mean, she's still taking care of her, like, right. you know, hanging out with her and making sure she's okay. So, so yeah. So what's the verdict? She ain't wrong. Sister, you ain't wrong. 
All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching the podcast. If you're new to the channel, please hit the subscribe button and also hit the like button. If this video gets 3,000 likes, we're going to be giving away one of these hot toys. So make sure you comment something that you like about the show. Also comment what hot toy you like. And we'll see you guys tomorrow on TikTok. And we'll see you guys next week, Saturday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you guys for being here. We really appreciate you. And thank you for all the support you guys have given us throughout yes. this whole journey. We couldn't do it without you guys. And like I said earlier, with the brands that we talked about today, they, they call them ad reads. And it helps really just keep the channel running. It allows Daniel and I to keep making content. So if any of those brands registered in your brain, we use all these brands personally. So if that makes you feel better, like we actually use them. So uh, we'll see you guys soon. And thank you guys so much. All right. God bless you guys. Bye.